podcast 187 so we're just gonna have some fun just gonna do some kiss talk sound good hit record and riff yep all right kiss army you wanted the best you got the best now close your eyes you're about to be podcast hi this is bruce kulik and you're listening to podcast Hello, hello, hello. Uh, How's it sound out there? Whoa, yeah! I'm moving furniture. We're moving furniture! Sometimes I have this chair over here. Sometimes I have it over there. And sometimes I like it right here. In the middle. Woo! Wild tables on the floor. Has Julian decided not to join us? <laughs> Julian, are you there? Can you hear me? Yep. Oh my God, it's Julian Kill. Hi, Gary. How are you? Hey, good. How are you doing? I'm good. I'm vertical. Got a pulse. <laughs> it's all the be- all the best things. Hang on one second. Give no, me, give me... there'll be no hanging on. Yeah, yeah, yeah. I gotta move some furniture. One second. Woo! Points of discussion. So. Welcome back to your podcast, and today I'm joined by Gary Schaller. Oh, no, you're not. Is he really moving furniture? <laughs> so I got an annoying-ass little two-stroke motorcycle engine by my window. <laughs> Start throwing bricks at him. Oh, no, it's that's called ambience, which is uh, sounds like a new fragrance. Ambience by L'Oreal. <laughs> Ambience by Goop. <laughs> what the hell is he doing? He's fallen and he can't get up. <laughs> oh my god. Gary, are you alive? Yes, hold on. <laughs> That's fantastic. Hang on. And people wonder why we edit. I went to get my coffee cup, which was uh, clean and buried under a bunch of pots and pans that were drying. And that's what you heard. Oh, wow. Anyway, that's my life story. Uh, How are you guys? I'm groovy. But now I understand why Ken has aged so much with all the editing that he has to do on his shows. That's right. Now I completely understand that. Ken, you're a saint. (laughs) I'm a sinner. All, all all of his hairs are gray, and I I mean, all of his hairs are. Well, gray. now thinking back to Nashville and Rock and Pod when you two met, I'm I'm surprised he didn't strangle you. <laughs> you know, that's because I didn't have any furniture to move. It was all moved for me. There you go. It was already moved. We welcome Gary Schaller to the podcast. Hey, I'm so happy to be here. And author, man about town, bon vivant, <laughs> Julian Gill. Well, that's much nicer than I would have been introducing myself. Thank you, Ken. Well, I happen to like you. So, <laughs> so vivant with joie de vie. Yeah, there you go. Do it. I will not do any French accents. Ha ha ha. 
Today on the podcast, we have a few topics that we're just going to go through and have a little fun talking about the hottest band in the land, KISS, and all things KISS related. Before we get into today's episode, just want to tell you that come see us at the Nashville Rock and Pod Expo. Julian Gill will be going. I will be there. Matt Porter will be there. A bunch of our friends are going to be there. Christine the Button Queen. It's going to be a blast. Come see some of your favorite podcasters in action, live. It's kind of like your Facebook come to life. This August will rock as Rockin' Pod returns to Nashville. This annual convention brings together rock artists, fans, and podcasters for an unforgettable rock experience. Meet Billy Sheehan, Ron Keel, Ricky Rackman, Mark Goodman, Matt Pinfield, Don Jameson of That Metal Show, drum legends Carmine Apice and Vinny Apice, along with current and former members of Winger, LA Guns, Except, Roxy Blue, and more. Panels, signing sessions, and vinyl and memorabilia vendors, all available to you at Rockin' Pod. Music podcasters from all over North America will be appearing on site for live interviews, networking, and speaking sessions. Got a music podcast? Register and join us. Rockin' Pod Weekend kicks off with a pre-party concert featuring former Tesla guitarist Tommy Skio and his new band Resist and Bite. Plus, Ron Keel Acoustic, Rock United, and a rare hair set featuring many surprise guests. Rockin' Pod Weekend, August 6th through the 8th in Nashville, Tennessee. Tickets, VIP, podcaster registration, and discounted hotel rooms are available now at rockandpod.com. Rockin' Pod, brought to you by DBG Productions, Brad Lee Entertainment, and Incaptia. How's everybody doing? I'm all right. I, uh, I am keenly aware that here in my 45th, my 46th year of being, things change anatomically that hurt. Mm. And um, I, I, I find that my doctor is like, yeah, this is like, uh, you're, basically, you're 45. So you have to actually move and stretch and do shit. Ah. And be active. And um, I, I, I do the world's most sedentary job, right? I sit down and then I podcast and I sit down. And then for a hobby, I draw and I build Gundam models and I sit down. I need to move my body. How about you, fellas? You have to. I just got in from a 30-minute walk, especially in this day and age. You know, you've got to get off your butt and yeah. keep moving until that last breath. I just... never th- – yeah, you're right. I never thought I would say the words that I'm about to say, but I do yoga now. I can't believe I do yoga. It's like not a very Gary Schaller thing to do, but it does. I, I like yoga more than back pain, as it turns out. <laughs> you know what? Paul McCartney does eye yoga. Yeah, it's insane. Have you seen the pictures of him doing that? Oh, no. What is it? Well, I don't know. He's not wearing glasses at his age, so it sounds like pretty good to me. I went out this morning and tried to go get a coffee, and I walked into the wrong restaurant. <laughs> <laughs> Got this story about a guy who walks into a bar, <laughs> right? Uh-uh. Literally. But uh, no, Paul McCartney does yoga, and he, he even does headstands, even at his age. It's, it's insane. God bless. Man. He's going to outlive every single one of us. 
He's like the the original cockroach of rock and roll. Who would have thought? Paul McCartney. You mean a, a cockroach? <laughs> I always loved how Gene would say that. It's not Cock- just cockroach. Cock- it's cockroach. Cockroach. That's that's our Gene. But Gary, you know, you could try the Paul Stanley workout. I believe me, if if uh, if it was a whole video and not just five seconds on Kiss Exposed, uh, I would I'd be on that. Mm-hmm. You know, it's good stuff. No, you got to take care of yourself, folks. You got to take care of yourself. And, uh, you know, you could you could even put on Paul Stanley Soul Station and work, yeah. to the, work out to that. That that would be cool. Sorry, that's a little laid back. I mean, that's more a sit down and just kind of, you know, relax music. Mm-hmm. You put you put on Houston 77 and you just try to copy everything Paul does. That's a workout. You won't even make it to to take me before you're down. I was watching some of the uh, shows from the non-makeup era. And, like, they're doing Love Gun. And Paul can barely keep up with the the pace of the, the drums, right? Yeah. And he's just getting such an aerobic workout. It's crazy. It's just crazy. And it's like, how does he manage to cram those words in that fast? It's nuts those shows are incredible though because he's like you hear it you just like he's like oh he can't you know like he can't he can't keep up with the lyrics you pulled the trigger yeah, 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 <laughs> yeah. really fast <laughs> and not only that he's he's usually bopping around in white shoes of some sort so doing that weird dance that i can't describe I well am. that's what kiss should do they missed it all for like guitar hero and everything now they should have the kiss exercise game where uh-huh. you you start at level 2021 20, with how much they don't move around the stage these days and then <laughs> you have to go back in time to their to replicate their moves on stage and you might even burn a couple hundred calories i mean 2021 20, level would be great for modern kiss fans because we just stand there all right i'm winning <laughs> i'm scoring by not moving but you get back to 77 and or in the 80s, it'd be even worse for trying to replicate Paul's moves because mm-hmm. he was running around like a chipmunk on acid. <laughs> I can just see it now. There'd be various uh, workout routines. Like there'd be Gene's creepy non-clapping clapping from the Winterland. Oh, yeah. Like that's something you can do. Just sway back and forth and do that weird thing. That's a, I'm doing it right now. Mm-hmm. I know what you're talking about. I'm burning calories while I podcast. Yeah. And not yep. just for running my mouth. Everybody pause the recording, go watch 100,000 Years from Winterland, and then you'll know what we're talking about. Is that not one of the coolest moments in history? And it's it's such a weird little thing. That that show, there's something enchanted about it. I had friends uh, who weren't even into Kiss, who, when I showed them Winterland uh, 75, were pretty spellbound. Mm-hmm. It's a great performance. Uh, let there be more. Agreed. So the first thing I want to talk about today, our first topic today here, is off the soundboard. And there's been a, since since our last episode, which we took some time off, man cannot live by a kiss podcasting alone, right? So we took some time off and we're back. We're starting another season of the podcast. And our last episode, we talked about the off the soundboard thing, whether it was going to happen and we told you that it would, and we were right. And since then it's been released as far as where you can purchase it. 
And there's a pretty cool thing on shopkissonline.com under collections. If you go to Off the Soundboard Tokyo 2001, you will see what really is the equivalent of the merch sheets that we used to get in the albums back in the 70s, right? Mm-hmm. Yeah. And I kind of miss that. And I've been thinking, like, how are these off the soundboard things selling? Because I'm really hoping that they do well because I want more. But I see a lot of people complaining about, oh, there's what? not a cover of some. Yes, I know. Kiss fans complaining. It's it's with, with a K. Complaining with a K. <laughs> but it, it's hard to believe that, yes, there are people that aren't really thrilled. But. We are kind of used to, like, this is what, a post-Burger King and McDonald's world, right? We want it instant. We want it our way, right? Everything's got to be customized to us as fans. And you can do that in a sense. But I think one thing that would have helped sales right away, just as weird as this is going to sound, but if they would have stamped them, stamped each individual one, and gave it its own number. Mm-hmm. I think that that would have been a smart thing to do. And not only that, but stamp each of the various things. Like, for example, this is Tokyo 2001, right? This would be issue one. And then you would get a limited number on it. You see what I'm saying? Does that make sense? So it that it would does. make each each one unique. And I don't think it could have cost all that much money to do that, right? I I don't know. I'm looking at the instant live CDs from mm -hmm. 2004 and they are not individually stamped. I don't, I don't imagine it would cost much for, for them to have done so. Right. But the big difference between the instant lives is those were quote unquote instant lives, meaning that they, you literally could get the thumb drive or the CD mm -hmm. by the end of the night. Right. So it wasn't like there was a big plan as far as like, you couldn't actually pay someone to stamp them there. But just imagine if you got your copy of Off the Soundboard and it had issue one and then your number. That would be cool. I would like that. I think it would have it would have helped sales. Thanks. Yeah. What do you think about that idea, Julian? I don't think it matters when when we're coming from Universal mm -hmm. and how they often approach product. Go back in time a few years and. They were talking about doing an authorized bootleg series, and mm -hmm. Cinderella released one, and it was in pretty much identical sort of packaging. It was just very Spartan, sort of faux, unprocessed cardboard with the band name stamped on the front. And in that, they actually stamped the date of the show, um, which was Tokyo. And they were talking about doing one for Kiss back then for Nashville. Mm -hmm. So I'm not shocked. Do I think it's a nice idea? Yeah, but I think they also have to test the water to see if KISS fans are going to put their money where their mouth is. We've complained and bemoaned the fact that we're not getting archival soundboards from the band. Well, now they've slapped one down, and it is very basic. Here is the music. Here is the packaging. There's not much to it. So go listen to it and then decide whether it's worth it. So I approach it from that point of view. I'm not too worried about making it individual, making it custom. I am strictly about the music and mm -hmm. having heard the first single, you know, or the song uh, made available from the recording, I'm blown away by the quality of it. So that's where I come from when it's, whenever we talk about releases, it really is to me, the music first and forget the individualization, mm -hmm. those instant lives. Yeah. They had a sticker that they'd print out at each one of the mm -hmm. venues for the, and slap it on the generic uh, cover. So I thought that was a great idea. Would I now 
as KISS fan, and since this is competing with all those wonderful-looking bootleg packages, don't forget that all those bootleg packages that have, you know, books, pictures, Mm -hmm. picture discs, they're not paying for the rights to any of that material. So it gets expensive fast to come out with a great-looking package, who are. in order to make it more interesting, you'd have to pay someone for a photograph for the cover and perhaps the rights and then for the gatefold. And, you know, if there was a then people would be like, well, then you have to have a booklet in there as well. So it adds up very quickly just to gauge the interest on whether Kiss fans are going to cough up for the music. Mm-hmm. I, th- I think you're absolutely right. And I think that there's something that happens. Uh, Ken, I've heard you describe it almost as like separation anxiety in the Kiss army where um, something new comes out or some change happens and it and people fret over like, oh, you're erasing my good time. Like you're taking away what I wanted. You already have Kiss Alive and you already have Kiss Alive too. And every member of, every person who's going to buy this 2001 soundboard thing will probably have already bought Kiss Symphony and, and any number of other releases that have the gatefold, that have the booklet and the bells and whistles, and no one is taking those away from you. Right. You can look at that. You can open up your tour book. But this is its own unique thing, and I kind of love the way it's packaged. I, we talked about it uh, the last time we discussed this, Ken, that it reminds me of the stenciled army kind of... Um, uh, road kits the road kit thing yeah exactly that you that they started that tradition with kiss alive you know what you'd see like on an on an instrument case or an amplifier and i think it's a cool it looks like a bootleg it look you know not all bootlegs are is are are these incredible box sets that people are putting out and like kudos to the fans for putting out incredible box sets but if you look at the history of bootleg vinyl and like the great white wonder by bob dylan um, that is a white cover with a stamp on it, mm-hmm. right? This is a very authentic looking bootleg and it sounds amazing. Yeah, good. that's a great point, Gary, that you go back to look at all those like Fried Alives, the classic ones from the 70s and just how bootlegs kind of evolved. That this one is kind of that, but a yeah. little bit more classy just with the stamp on the cover. And of course, it is coming in vinyl. It's being released digitally. It's coming on CD. Japan, it's being released as an SHM CD, which is one of those fancy superior materials for uh, for uh, premium pricing. And their, their first uh, issue comes with, uh, or initial sales issue, comes with a uh, poster. So it, it's straightforward. And you go back to the early 90s, I think it was Alive 3, there was a promo single that came out mm-hmm. f- uh, for Rock and Roll All Night that came in a di- uh, just a plain white sleeve that was stamped on it, It's the Music Stupid. And, <laughs> you know, it was made to look like a bootleg. So it kind of harkens back to that and, you know, takes me back to a happy place. Yeah, nothing wrong with that at all. The price is also very good, I have to say. I When, when this was announced, I had visions of bankruptcy dancing through my head (laughs) (laughs) but it's not that bad uh it's very reasonable this is what i would expect to walk into a like a record store and buy a bootleg for this amount and uh or actually it's less than a lot of really crappy sounding bootlegs Mm -hmm. now not to be outdone i mentioned the kiss 
merchandise sheets that used to come, right? And again, mm. I wish that they would have put basically what you can find online to be on one of those cheesy things that you'd get that had all the products and it was just something you could look at. I don't know how much time I'll be looking at that over the next 30, 40 years since, you know, life and all that. But <laughs> <laughs> but I, I think about all the times that I spent looking at the one that came with this album or that album, you know what I mean? Absolutely. And, but you can go online and there's a lot of cool different things that you can pick up. Like I'll just run through this and off the soundboard button, uh, and that is $3, the Off the Soundboard Guitar Pick set, which each one of the icons, and it's got the Kiss Army Shield with the Off the Soundboard Tokyo 2001, that's $7. Then the Off the Soundboard Trading Cards for 12 the Off the Soundboard Lithograph for 35 and it goes on. There's t-shirts with uh, Ace, Eric, Paul, and Gene, that one picture with the red background and then there's a hoodie uh the t-shirt is thirty dollars the hoodie is sixty then there's got the cds the vinyl albums the colored vinyl albums another t-shirt with the artwork of a dragon and uh very you know japanese looking kind of a thing and the tokyo logo and all that but there's also a bundle that you can get there's two different bundles, one for 80 and one for 100, but the $100 one, it's got the uh, Japanese looking shirt and it's got the guitar picks and it's got the bubblegum card set, the button and the three disc vinyl splatter kind of a thing. The spilt coffee, I call it spilt coffee or cat sphincter. Oh, there you that's go. But a hundred bucks for that. I mean, that's ins that's really good pricing, and that it's currently marked down from one hundred and twelve, which is still very good pricing. But come on, for all those chalkies that they're chucking in there, the buttons, you know, come on, we're podcasts. We love buttons um, <laughs> and making making buttons and picks, and you know, they they're doing trading cards. And even you know, I've criticized the look of that vinyl, but you know, it is cool, and they're doing you know. It's easy to criticize, but at least they're doing something rather yes. than just plain black vinyl. Right. So while it's not aesthetically pleasing to me, so what? At least they're doing it. That's yes. awesome. See, the weird thing, I would have put a red label with the red circle in the middle of the white instead of the spilled coffee look. Because that would have like, you know, boom, all you need is a red circle there. And then you put a red label on top of it there. It looks like the whole record is part of the label. You know what I'm saying? Did you see Best of the Solo albums when it was released in Germany last year was Black Splatter, Black on a White Vinyl. Mm -hmm. Just doing that kind of red, a kind, and I know it's probably a little bit difficult um, or dangerous you know, socially uh, or historically, because it has, you know, kind of allusions to the mm -hmm. Imperial war flag from World War II. So, ah. but I, I think that would have looked wonderful regardless, or maybe just white and red in some mm. combination, instead of having it look like a coffee and maybe they don't want it look like they've smushed the Japanese flag either. So, you know, they're probably doomed to, you know, being cautious and respectful rather than being artistic and snazzy. You can't please everyone all the time, but you can definitely offend someone all the time. Yeah, you're right. And you certainly don't want to offend the originating nation where yes. the soundboard is sourced from, um, and you want you want to be respectful. But you know what? Uh, again, it doesn't matter. They're doing something, and that's better than nothing. Mm -hmm. Oh, God, yeah. I mean, this is that thing that... Um, 
you know, the, the box sets, look, it doesn't have a big glossy faux tour book, but the package that you're describing, Ken, you know, where you get like a button and a trading cards and a sweatshirt, mm-hmm. like this is pretty awesome. It's I, for me, it's awesome as a Kiss fan that 20 years ago there was this concert. I didn't get to go because I didn't, I've never been to Japan. This lineup that was, you know, barely a blink of an eye in, in history. Uh, that I then can have this whole like celebration of this thing. I could wear it, I could listen to it. Um, and it's like a really neat little fun thing for this year. Mm-hmm. I, I really hope they do. I, going back to our conversation earlier, I really hope they show some love uh, for the 80s, the non-makeup years. Mm-hmm. Well, I'll say this much. In an earlier episode, I think in last December, you and I were speaking with Matt Porter, and we talked about how, come on, Kiss, give us something more than Kiss socks. Yes. This $100 bundle with the T-shirt, the five picks, the four cards, the button and a three-vinyl splatter edition set is cheaper than four pairs of socks. Insane. You hear that, Matt Porter? Go buy this. (laughs) (laughs) Not only that, here's another thing. Thank you, whoever is doing the T-shirts on Kiss Online, because of my weight loss, I can now get one of these 3X shirts. So I am so proud of you, dude. so cool. Good on you, Kat. Proud of you. Well, thank you, brothers. Thank you. But, uh, you know, it's it's great. I mean, if you look at the KISS Army, or a lot of us aren't getting too small. That's all I'm going to say. You know, <laughs> We are girthy. Yeah. yeah. That's a nice way to put it. Here's the most important thing in some ways. Or it's not the most important thing. Um, people have, fans have said, this is the one lineup that they really would have loved to have seen, you know, what they could have done, bringing Eric Singer in with Ace. So this is a really oddball first selection. This is someone's listening to fans. You know, people have, uh, there was a webcast, I think, of this that uh, was pretty garbage quality. And here you are. The big boys are throwing down, well, this is our audio. And it's absolute, you know, again, going back to that first song that's been put out, it really is the music. The T-shirt designs are great. The they're doing the 2001 design again, so that's available. Uh-huh. The CD, you know, that's probably available cheaper elsewhere. But, uh, you know, the black vinyl, 60 bucks for that set. And, and you go and get one of the packages with the cat splatter, and uh, <laughs> you're actually getting a really good deal on those. Yeah, that is a great deal, seriously. There's a lot of things that we as KISS fans can complain about, but I think this is actually pretty good. And I know there are a lot of people saying, why should I get this? It's the same songs that we're going to hear all the time. Well, that's that's KISS, folks. I hate to, you know, that's that's like going to the magic show and going, yeah, I know he's going to saw someone in half and then he's going <laughs> to pull a rabbit out. If, you, right. if you've seen the same show for the last six years, and I've always contended that KISS fans have like these six-year periods where they're on fire and then they cool off and then they get back on fire again. It's kind of like somebody that used to watch soap operas or wrestling. They go through a stage where they watch it for a while and then they I've seen it all. And then they stop for a while and then something brings them back. And that's what, you know, kisses like the mafia. They keep bringing you back, right? So every once in a while, you get more fired up and it's probably about a six-year period where you're going to be on a, a happy little... Uh, kiss jag, if you will, right? Right. Well, if you're if you're on the fence about getting it, just think of the set list. You get Eric Singer with Ace, but you get Talk to Me 
Mm -hmm. get that lineup doing Heavens on Fire as well. And and this is no disrespect to Peter. This is a a very short-lived lineup. So that makes it very interesting to hear Eric doing these songs at that time with that lineup. So you still have Ace in the band. Um, And you get the... I'm sorry, it's worth the price of admission. I can't wait to hear Talk to Me from this. Mm -hmm. Mm -hmm. And Heavens on Fire. Yeah, they sounded great. That That was a great great show, great, great... Uh, lag of a tour mm-hmm. now i'm looking at the description of the vinyl and it doesn't say cat anus or coffee spill at all it says crystal lps with bone detail so there you go yeah okay well i i i just, I just call it how i see it mm-hmm. <laughs> sphincter bone detail <laughs> which was a failed band i uh, gary and i were in sphincter Sphin- bone. sphincter yeah. bone detail yeah, yeah. that was that, it, it it happens, folks. Now, yeah. our next topic is Mago Dolls. And okay. it turns out that, you know, we've all known for the longest time about the Paul Stanley Mago Doll. It was actually sculpted from a Daryl Dragon head, who is captain of Captain and Tennille, right? We, we all know that. That's something mm-hmm. that KISS mm-hmm. fans have known for the longest time. But it's kind of come out that the Peter Chris doll is actually the Gene Hackman sculpt. Mm. Is that actually true? Because I thought that was debunked. I don't know. Maybe I'm wrong. Well, here's what I found out, okay? Mago right. Man, at, on some Mago fan... Mego. Oh, sorry. Mego. Sorry. Mego Man. <laughs> Do you know why it's called Mego, by the way? This is actually pretty cute. Because your money goes Mego? No, no, no. The little, the, the, the little brother in the family. When the dad would go on business trips i think uh marty abrams i think is his name the 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 current guy who runs migo mm-hmm. used to say to his dad migo migo like he wanted to go with his dad oh. on business trips. yeah so that so he well see there's all these things from my life that i grew up not pronouncing yeah. correctly like molinar <laughs> from uh you know thor's hammer and stuff like <laughs> oh, that there's no way to pronounce that you know mitzelplix i still don't know if that's right Anyway, I, I grew up saying Mago all my life. So, okay, Mego, sorry. Thank you, nerd. I mean, Gary. Uh, <laughs> oh, welcome. Somebody wrote on one of the Mego boards, I was told that the head sculpt for Peter Chris from Kiss is the same as the 12-inch hot Lex Luthor. Is this correct? They do look a lot alike. There's no mention of it in the galleries. The Superman movie came out in December of 78. The Kiss figures came earlier in 1978. So what's the story here? Well, there's a Mago Museum blog that talks about mm-hmm. Ken Scheller, who made the head sculpts for the Superman 12-inch figure. The only question, because we know that they did those that we that they did with Daryl Dragon, and if you take a look at the Peter Chris sculpture with the Lex Luthor sculpture, it's the same face, everything. It's amazing. Mm-hmm. Have you seen the pictures? Yeah. I- I think you need to get a fan to scrape the paint off one of each just to prove it. Put them side by side and um, do the analysis that way. Just like right. ungluing album covers. Someone's got to sacrifice. To they got to sure. sacrifice their yesterday and today to try to get a Beatles butcher cover. Right. So I, I find that this is interesting. That it's, you know, this is 1978 and here we are, 2021. There's still weirdness to be found. Like when we saw that Jack Kirby had been working on a Kiss comic. Oh, my God. Or we found out that Neil Adams, which I always thought he had something to do with those rub and tug or whatever they... 
what were they called? Uh, rub and play. Yeah, rub and play. Rub yeah. and tug. That's yeah. a different. That's a that's whole different right. thing. Well, Neil Adams Continuity Studios, right? Yeah, they, they were responsible for a lot of the artwork for Mego toys, uh, or just I guess toys in general in that time. I, here's the thing. I got to put a plug in here. The, you mentioned Mego Museum. Mm-hmm. Brian Heiler, I think, is his name, who is who's responsible for that. So if you go online and you look up Mego Museum, you should also he's he also does. Plaid Stallions, mm-hmm. which is a website that every human person listening needs to go check out. Plaid Stallions. It's the ultimate nostalgia website. Yeah, you can you can bathe in so much seventies. Oh. oh my god, you know. so good. And then there's a they have a podcast called Pod Stallions, which um I, I listen to it even when it's a topic I don't really care about because they're always I'm always learning incredible things about pop culture and nostalgia. Uh, and then on YouTube, you could check them out. They do. Uh, they have a series called Toy Ventures, which is all about vintage toys, and then one called uh, Vintage Mego. I mean, just incredible, and tons of stuff about Kiss because uh, the Mego dolls were just the tip of the iceberg, as we all know. Anyway, just wanted to put a plug in. A great, great guys, great show. So I think it's amazing that this is something that we've found out in this year. I think it's just fantastic julian do you have any thoughts on this on the on the Mego dolls no i but i think it's cool and it's just a reminder that anyone who thinks they know everything really yeah. doesn't and that we're going to it history and uncovering it is you know an ongoing process you know just like more archived tour dates crop up you know in research that we didn't know about on a, a yearly basis or new demos or recordings it's just never going to be done we're never going to have everything. We're never going to know everything. And it's wonderful that there's always going to be things like this, that someone, you know, uncovers, bless them. Thank yes. goodness that they're keeping something fresh. I don't care about Mego dolls, but I think it's really cool that I see a thread or a conversation about something that I don't care about that other people didn't know either. So mm-hmm. I think that's absolutely spectacularly brilliant and more power to all you people out there who are digging for nuggets because occasionally you're going to find something uh, that maybe won't be new to everyone, but it's always going to be new to someone. Mm-hmm. That's well said. Uh, thank you. Speaking of which, isn't it, aren't we about due for like a cool leak of something? It feels like it's been a hot minute since a, a, an old show, a rare demo, a recording we didn't know about. Silence. I think you're, I, no, I, I think <laughs> that you really need to tune in to the A&E biography when it airs. Okay. Yeah, I'm wondering if there will be things that get kicked out because of that A&E biography, if that makes any sense. I was wondering, if, uh, well, first of all, Julian, we haven't talked since New Year's, so Happy New Year Forever. to you, 2021. Thanks. Yeah, it's been a minute. Um, and I saw your name in the credits. I saw your name in the in the Dubai credits. That was pretty awesome. That was pay to play. Oh, is that right? <laughs> Very cool. That was payola. Yeah. No, nice. that that was that was totally. Um, they did a an option for that uh, for the package, which was like the super duper one. And since I'd canceled my Kiss Cruise because I was going to go on Kiss Cruise Ten, uh-huh. and I I was going to do the Paul Stanley Cruise guitar again, um, so I got refunds on all that. So I'm like, well, you know what? 
Dubai is the only show that we're going to have for the foreseeable future. And mm. since it was available and it came with vinyl, which, uh, you know, is delayed, I was like, okay, I'm doing that. Uh, so, yeah, I, I saw my name there, too. And I was That's very awesome. Glad. Congratulations. It's still cool, no matter what. I, did, I asked them to correct it, though, because they spelled it right, and I hate that. So we're going to get it spelled wrong in the <laughs> release. I-E-N one, which I love doing. Nice. You know, I mentioned uh, the merchandise sheet from the days of old. And one question I have to put to you guys, none of us, like, have the contracts in front of us. Like, you know, we assume that Universal has made this deal with Kiss that they're going to put these off the soundboards out. And I'm wondering if they get a cut of the merchandise at this point, like the, you know, the, the t-shirt and the trading cards. And I wonder if that's something, do you, do we know anything? Have we heard anything about that? If kiss gets a cut of it or if no, if for example, when you do live nation, right. When you work with them, they wind up making a deal so that you wind up giving them a percentage of the merch and the t-shirts and stuff like that. A lot of bands have talked about how they don't like those deals, right? Mm. Maybe it's just my training as a Kiss fan, but I'm surprised that we didn't get the merch uh, sheet in this off the soundboard album that would have all the various collectibles and stuff, right? I mean, I don't know. It could be in there for all I know, but... it's It, it looks to me like it's just tremendously low budget that we're not putting a lot of money into this mm -hmm. because the last time we put money into something say love gun deluxe edition mm -hmm. or uh destroyer resurrected regardless of i've heaped criticism on both of those products but still from a from the perspective of the record label of well we did pay a lot of money to put these together and we didn't sell that many all right well this time we're not going to put much money in or any money whatsoever we're going to put it in a brown cardboard sleeve basically and just release it so why would they invest if you're putting together a merchandise flyer say like the 70s you still mm -hmm. have to pay for those professional um, photographs to be done right, of the product. Right. Think think of Nicholas's book, you know, right. and how wonderful those photos look. Uh, to do the layout, someone has to get paid to then print it. It's still money. Yeah, it's cents on the dollar per unit. But when Kiss fans haven't shown much propensity for buying lots of musical releases, when they'll happily go buy slippers and socks, you know, then I get it. Would I like it in there as well? Yeah, but again, I've talked about how I'd love it to be, you know, you have the book, basically. You've also talked about how you love it loud. <laughs> I Straight between the eyes. That's right. That's true. So our next topic here is how much is Kiss like Cracker Barrel? <laughs> very, very much like, it's very much like Cracker Barrel. It's a <laughs> barrel of crackers. There you go. In a new interview with Rob's School of Music, because that's the best journalism right there, uh, KISS's longtime manager, Doc McGee, addressed the possibility of original members Ace Fraley and Peter Chris rejoining the band at some point during the end of the road tour. And of course, this is clickbait, right? We all know that. He said, all the things are possible. We never say never about anything. We just know that we want to give the people the best show in the world to go see. And my philosophy for all my bands has always been, if you're the very, very best at what you do, people will come and see you. And if you're not, they will go 
see the very, very best. Fucking simple. So what, so what do we do with Kiss? We do a show that whether you like Kiss or not, whether you're a Kiss fan or you know only one song, you want to go see this show because it's an amazing, entertaining show. And now I'm going to reveal my newest imitation. It's uh, Doc McGee. You ready? Oh, yeah. Kiss is Cracker Barrel. There are four generations that come to eat at our house every day. And we cherish that, and we're very good to our fans. We try to be. I think we give them the best meet and greets of any band that's ever been around. They have access in a world that has no access. So there you go. There's the debut. Right. And Cracker Barrel serves meat and grits. Yeah. So there you go. It's very much, it's like, anyway, sorry. I, I could think that Kiss is more like McDonald's than it is Cracker Barrel, but what do you guys think of this analogy? Well, isn't it, isn't it Burger King your way? Yeah, really. Mm-hmm. Because I, I don't see Cracker Barrel advertising itself. Cracker Barrel will get you coming and going. You know, <laughs> just doesn't doesn't quite quite work. I think it was a very safe one to use. At least he didn't say that Kiss is like Chick-a-Fil. Oh, Chick-fil-A. Oh yeah. What a Chick-fil-A, well, yeah. You. Yeah, 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 how yeah. much I know about that. Yeah. yeah, but he said he didn't want to do any French stuff earlier, so. It's actually chic filet. Chic yeah. filet. Yeah, yeah. Mohohon. Yeah, I'm glad they didn't compare it to. I, I think Kiss is like White Castle. There's four of them. They're hot and sweaty. And then you have <laughs> diarrhea. No. <laughs> I don't know. But I just never would have picked uh, Cracker Barrel as. I would actually, you know, after you know Nashville, that's the only time I've ever been to Cracker Barrel, mm-hmm. and it was like went in for a meal, like the biscuits. You know, the waitress said, you know, all Southern charm and all that. You know, how was your how was your breakfast or whatever it was? Did you, I said, oh, the biscuits are fantastic. Oh well, you can buy a pack of the the mix of the counter <laughs> on your way out. So yeah, from a Kiss point of view. That is totally Kiss. Well, you know, you're on to something because when you go to Cracker Barrel, you have to go through that store to get into the place where you're going to eat, right? So is that the same at every single one, that it has the store entryway and the rocking chairs at the front? Mm -hmm. That's standard. Excellent. So they kind of do get you coming and going. So gosh, apologies to Doc McGee. Kiss really is Cracker Barrel. So... There you go. Because you do have to go past the merch stands before you get to the show. Yeah, wow. Wow, I guess it is, huh? Jeez. Yeah, I I I guess that's a comparison they could stand behind. Mm-hmm. Now, Julian, I think you were writing an 80s Kiss song there for a second. I hope not. I came for a meal, and I <laughs> said... I really like those biscuits. Whoa, yeah! Because <laughs> there's got to be a whoa, yeah. That's a Gene Asylum era song. Uh, good job, Julian. Well, I came for a meal and I like the biscuits. And then Paul leans in and they both go, whoa, yeah! Mm-hmm. <laughs> put your biscuits in my shopping cart. <laughs> I said girls love biscuits. <laughs> Like East, honey. You know, it's weird to think that that during some of those songs, the only times that Paul 
ever heard those tracks was when he was putting background vocals on some of them, I think. Mm. Mm-hmm. Same oh, with sure. Gene the other way, too, right? So it's not, you know, it's... I mean, every band does that, right? Like, fans are like, well, how can they not know their own material? Well, because it was recorded 40 years ago, and they they did that in one afternoon, and they haven't heard it since, right? They they do surprise the hell out of me, though, with some of those, like, acoustic, you know, impromptu sets that they do, mm-hmm. where they'll pull out a song from some random song, and they'll be able to play a verse and a chorus mm-hmm. shockingly well. So... You know, that's pretty good. Oh, I guess they must have heard those songs a million times when the records came out, but I doubt very, I strongly doubt that Gene has spent much time listening to Radar for Love in the intervening years. Shame on him. Oh, well. Mm-hmm. Right. More's the pity. So Doc goes on to say, so all those things, will Ace ever show up? Sure, he'll show up. Peter hopefully will show up. Everybody's invited to the party of KISS. We haven't had that many band members in KISS. Since I've been there, there's been four, two different ones, and that's it. But KISS is KISS. So whether you said, oh, well, I don't think that there could be another 007 besides Sean Connery. Well, there's been five of them. People want to see 007. Mickey Mouse is a fucking hundred years old. I think KISS will be one of those things that will go on forever. I think with the Avatar situations that we're doing now, with the NFT programs that we're doing, with all the different elements that we have at our disposal today and will have tomorrow and the next day, I don't see how this brand of KISS goes away, ever. If it's kept with the respect that it should have for the people that they have, I believe that they will be around forever, much longer than me. So there you go. Oh my God! When Kiss merchandise meets NFTs, that's going to be crazy. It's going to be interesting. Can I ask what what an NFT is? What is an NFT? A non fungible token. Oh God in heaven! Is this Bitcoin and all that? Yeah. So no, it, it's it's similar to you know Bitcoin and cyber currency in that you are buying the concept of something rather than the actual like item itself. So it's a non tangible purchase, and that just seems so. I'm, I'm I'm surprised Gene didn't come up with that idea. To be perfectly honest, that's just what, so Gene Simmons. What are you? What are you? I'm sorry, Julian. What are you buying though? You're... Like, like, what's an example of this? Okay, can I step in? Please, Please. help me. <laughs> I think that this is just one of the biggest cons to ever come down the, the pike, seriously. Um, you are buying a digital image. That's really all it is. You're buying a JPEG. That's it. Of? Of whatever. For example, some of the people, like you've seen the meme with the girl outside the fire, and like there's a fire going on behind yeah. her, and she's yeah. looking at the camera very creepily. Yeah, that right. that person has sold that as an NFT. Now, I can get that same picture. I can make a meme out of it. I can do whatever I want with it. But someone has spent a lot of money on that NFT. So it is a one-of-a-kind, whatever that means in a world of digital duplication. But you get a one-of-a-kind piece of art. And there are people who are selling... I mean, people are buying this stuff for unholy amounts of money. But it's a bizarre concept because, to me, 
there's a lot of things I that are going on in this world that make no sense to me and things I don't like. For example, I saw this really cool painting in air quotes of Kiss from like 1983 when Ace was still in the band. They were on a Creatures photo shoot of some sort and Paul has his head down in the picture. Yeah. Okay. It's yeah. it's just a click. It's just one second in time, a millisecond. Click, 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 click. So I see this quote unquote painting with an artist's signature on it. And I go, that's not a real painting. And by that, I mean, I don't think that it was ever any paint was ever put on, but that does not mean that it's not a painting yet. Right. But if you run it through a filter and smush it around a bit, that doesn't necessarily make it a painting. Like, for example, I do digital painting. I do digital art, mm -hmm. but I actually will use the mouse or the Wacom tablet thing. Yeah, as as my paintbrush. So I'm actually doing things. The great mm -hmm. thing about it is if I mess up, I can control Z back one step and I didn't mess up Santa Claus's face, right? Mm -hmm. But there's something about just taking a photograph, running it through a filter and saying I have now created this thing. Yeah, I mean, I imagine Picasso just saying, eat my farts, right? Like, like <laughs> if someone calls that a painting. Well, you know, it, it's, it's, an, it's an interesting world. But the fact that someone could spend a million bucks on a JPEG, for all intents and purposes, mm. it's crazy town, right? Right. Well, it just makes me want to scream, get off my lawn. It's like when <laughs> I start feeling old and not mm -hmm. understanding things. And I just want to, you know, I own photographs. I own the copyrights of them. So I can actually sell a tangible. I can sell you the photograph and the ownership of that. This is like a complete, you know, it's digital and it's non-transferable and it's represented in a blockchain. And it's really getting into that area of the cryptocurrencies that I am mm -hmm. just tremendously uncomfortable with mm -hmm. just as a concept um, for what they represent. And they're non-trackable, non-traceable, you know, and well, it's the same with artwork. You know, it has to be art to me has to be tangible. And maybe that's just me not being able to be modern or current or, you know, like I said, just getting old and being uh, resistant to new ideas. Do you think, though, Julian, that this is an out? cropping of you know the the idea of owning music that is zeros and ones right like there's most of the music that i well not, not most a lot of the music that i own is not tangible well yeah i don't have any music that's not tangible um i i think it's an outgrowth of um separating hipsters from money you know, people, I use hipster as, as a phrase of people who like to be hip and be, you know, oh, I just bought an NFT of, you know, a Gene Simmons photograph from 1976. Oh, can I see it? Oh, no. No. Only I. I only I. Only I. Well, where is it? Well, it only exists in a blockchain. And so it, it seems to be, oh, it, you know, one of these things that people have too much money. It, it just. I don't see a a collector, you know, having a, a full set of NFTs. Because that person can't then duplicate it and send it to you. Is that right? Because of the nature of the file? Is that is that what happens? It's like they can't go click and then just... They can snap a picture of that thing, but you'll never own what you've paid for. 
Yeah, I don't know how all of that works. I right. would think if someone's spending a million bucks on a photo, they're going to want all the rights, you know, or. Well, that's because you're thinking the way we came up, right? Like, for example, we all thought like when you bought Sergeant Pepper or Kiss Destroyer, like I have purchased. Yeah. Kiss Destroyer and Sergeant Pepper on every format that there's ever been that I'm aware of as far as that they've actually been on. Like, for example, it's not like from the 1920s. Destroyer has never been on a 78, right? But I've got the cassette or I've had the cassette. I've had the eight track. I've had the mm -hmm. vinyl. I've had the CD and I have it digitally as well. The thing is, is that I really own nothing. We think that we own like if you have a CD that, that that's yours, you can do whatever you want with it, but you really can't whether it's uh, you know, you, you cannot distribute this. For example, if you rent a movie or, or buy a movie it'll always say, you know, you can't like show this at a nursing home or show it at your local public library unless you get permission to do these things. Right. So while you bought that one licensed copy of Sergeant Pepper or destroyer, you really own nothing, and if it breaks, they don't have to replace it, right? Right. Or this they, they can't replace it, but you can also buy a tweet as a non-fungible uh, token. What? Serious? Yeah. The what? world's gone insane. Is this where we get into the gray area of, like, you can listen to your copy of Destroyer in your car, but if you're carpooling and there's a bunch of people there... <laughs> then, you know what I mean? No, really. Like, like then you're... Um, I forget what the verb is, but you're um, not performing, uh, demonstrate. No, it's like, what's the word? Help me out. It's like... Uh, Exhibition. Yeah, that's you're exhibiting the, the product. Thank you. To, thank you. To, to a group of people, right? And now you're breaking the law. Okay. It's just, it's crazy. Speaking of some other crazy things, and I will never understand all of this uh, NFT stuff. It makes no sense to me. I like I like something NFT, I can... NFT, uh, the only th importance of NFT is not for trade, and uh, it's just a yeah. hoarder speaking. Yeah, which we know something about hoarders in the world of KISS, right? So, <laughs> <laughs> Really? Let me ask you a question. I wonder if there are people who had like the best version of Off the Soundboard that might be pissed that this is seeing the light of day now as a product. Uh -huh. It happens, right? Oh. It does happen. Do you think, do you think that that's, is that a thing that someone would be upset? Of, I mean, that someone would own, own, that someone would have a copy of this and it's better than the, the crappy webcast one from a hundred years ago. It and that they be. would, they would then be upset. I mean, didn't they like you knew what this was? Right. Right. They they would be upset of it because they probably purchased into it. And all of a sudden, something that they have paid for exclusivity as membership of a secret handshake club, you know, is now available to the dirty, unwashed masses at 20 bucks a pop. Yeah, that's there it. You're go. right. So th there, there will be people. Uh, and you know what? When you've been at the game long enough, it's one of those things that you just simply accept happens. Mm -hmm. And um, me, I'm absolutely thrilled because I only had the crappy webcast one. So if it was out yeah. there, I don't know of it. Mm -hmm. And, uh, well, I'm happy. Yeah. Well, Julian, I know that you and I share a love for Cheap Trick. 
And uh, the, which, by the way, their new album in another world is just fantastic. If you want some good rock and roll in 2021, I think we can send you in that direction, right, Julian? Oh, brilliant album! That was the first new Cheap Trick album for me to enjoy because I haven't really been into the band, and you know I've just worked my way back through their you know recent catalog as a result. So. I love it. I think it's fantastic. It's great to hear a legacy band making new music. Um, and also, nice job on the podcast about it. I thoroughly enjoyed that. I don't listen to a lot of podcasts, so I thoroughly enjoyed listening to Cheap Talk on it. Mm-hmm. Well, thank you. And a reminder to everybody, what we've done here for KISS, we also do for Cheap Trick on Cheap Talk with Trick Chat. And yes, it sounds like a confusing name, but we couldn't figure out whether to call it Cheap Talk or Trick Chat. Yeah, a bit tricky to get that right, huh? <laughs> I, I just call it cheap talk at this point. And every once in a while, I get an email from a, another podcast that wants to do something about cell phones and stuff like that. There's a lot of people that try to take that away, and we always say, nope, we've been here for a, a bit longer. So that's always fun. But having mentioned Cheap Trick, check out the new album, Another World. But they're, they, they've been doing a couple of live albums that they've put out from back in the day uh the second of those two out to get you live 77 from the whiskey it's weird because a lot of fans you know you would think that they would just jump at this right but some will say oh i already have that and it's like no you don't because this is from four nights and what this is is the best of those four nights put together. And it is just a ripping thing. And it's fantastic. So, Oh, that's cool. No, you don't have it. And it doesn't have like any glitches that were found along the way. Like we talked about when we were doing the Wicked Lester episodes, how they would every once in a while, you'd get like this loss of a generation yeah. from it being dubbed. You know what I mean? And you hear the thing underneath it yeah uh, on the tape. yeah 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 why well, so they did four nights right did they is they are they a, i see i'm not that familiar with uh, I, I like everything i've heard of cheap trick but i'm not i don't know their music as well as you fellas do are they a band that would play like basically the same set every night or did they mix things up a lot and you're getting a a, a wide variety um they did different songs every night but not like entirety of okay. different set lists but think keep in mind that this is pre-cheap trick before surrender was even written so mm. it's it's just you know and so people who like maybe if they saw a set list now and they go well wait this doesn't have dream police this doesn't have surrender on this this doesn't have you know all these things that for example this would be the equivalent of getting a kiss on the hotter than hell tour Wow, wow. So Ooh, there is no God of Thunder. and Hell soundboards that could be... Oh, well. That would be a great uh-huh. idea. Wink. Yeah, I think one of the things that you just said there about the cheap trick, you know, it's one of the things that I said to Gene at the vault. You know, Gene, thank you very much. Now I get to pay you for the music that I've been enjoying for many years that you haven't gotten paid for, you know, because it circulated out in fan communities, and now you're able to pay for it. What did he mm-hmm. say? He said, I like you. <laughs> I like you, Julian. Here, let me spell your name wrong. Oh. Right? Didn't he, Didn't Gene mess up your name on the vault? It messed up my name and the date. So I got my, <laughs> I, I've had my vault for 12 years now. <laughs> That's fantastic. 
Well, it's it. definitely one of a kind. It is an NFT. It's it's a one of a kind, right? It, it's awesome. I love it. I, you know, it, again, with my name, I now have them sign all my stuff with the way Gene did it. So, Gene, yeah, I owe you. There you go. Well, you want to wrap it up for today? Yeah. I, before we do, there's a small topic I want to touch on. Hot. For just a few minutes. Okay. And maybe it'll have to be a recurring uh, segment. And we'll call this... Um, not dead yet, but did not age well. <laughs> oh, that could be a lot of things. <laughs> right. Because Kiss had that that awesome not dead yet thing that they were rocking mm -hmm. in the the early 90s. Right. They had like, right. I think, T-shirts or hats or whatever that said not dead yet and it had a skull on it. I have found that there are certain pieces of music that I just took for granted, did not pay attention to carefully well well let me back up for a second so in uh, later this year in a month or so christine 16 will be 60 right so uh we'll 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 have the anniversary of love gun being released and it'll be what f 44 years and christine 16 will be 60 wow she's love you christine you've aged beautifully and the song, which is one of my absolute favorite Kiss songs, that's a hard listen as a as a as a fella in my forties lyrically. And I have found that there's certain music that um, does not age as well in the in the words department. And I'm wondering, you know, particularly if I'm listening around the people I love most in the world, shall we say? Yeah. Okay. Right. And um, not because, uh, it, you know, we're not snowflakes or whatever you want to call us. This isn't a, a, a house of PC or some stupid accusation that someone, I care about people's feelings and I try to do the right thing. Uh, but there's just certain things that don't age well. And I'm wondering if you have had this experience as well. It does not mean we don't love it. it. does not mean we have to stop listening to it. Yes, it does. It does, huh? Oh, for me. Yeah, yes. no, okay. no, back back in the days when I was living in Singapore in 1988 and Smashes, Thrashes, and Hits came out, okay. I sang Let's Put the X in Sex over and over and over and over and over. But that has become inappropriate to me for one reason that I never want to hear. And that was when they had the eight-year-old girl during the convention singing that song. <laughs> and that <laughs> video circulates. That is just, that is like Christine 16 to you on steroids to me. That's pretty bad. Eight years yeah. old. I didn't remember that. Yeah, that's that's a rough one. Well, wait a second. It, it's 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 not that you didn't remember it really. It's that you didn't think about it that way at the time, right? Well, and that's the thing. And that's right. You know, for example, it was one thing. Like we've all done this thing where we had some younger person or somebody that we care about. We want to bring them into this world, this thing that we found, right? Kiss the land of kiss. Mm -hmm. But we, we almost forget some of the things that we've learned along the way. Right? Like, let's say that you're sitting down and what is it? Kiss confidential. That's got oh. the, Kiss exposed. The yeah. heads on the wall. Well, there's Kiss exposed. The heads on the wall, oh, and, the, oh, the and then there's like, yeah, the Crusher. Like, you know, you're just sitting there, 
And, and, you know, you probably say to, you know, the girl you're hoping to date or the woman who's going to become your wife or, or the person that you love, whatever, or maybe even a kid or a nephew, somebody that's like, you're going to like kiss, right? Or else. Yeah. Or else. Yeah. But, you know, like there's the, where the girl has some hair on her butt and Paul's like, you know, and the, a lot of it, we kind of forget or we don't remember and we there's that line about when I was a child, I thought as a child, but basically I grew up, I'm paraphrasing the quote, right? A big time. But, but when I was a child, I thought as a child and then I got older. Right. And it's, it's not that I still don't enjoy kiss confidential or kiss exposed or any of that stuff. But if you've ever done this thing where you're sitting down, like I, well, here's another example. When animalized came out, I watched that thing like three times a day. Holy Christ, it was great. It is still great. And I would get so into it. This is this is a thing, and I love it so much that I'd just play it. And then my grandmother would come into the house, and she'd sit there, and I'd forget what was coming on, and here comes the <laughs> nurse story, and I'm scrambling to find the remote, right? Where's the remote? <laughs> <laughs> you know? Can I tell you something really quickly about Animalized Live Uncensored that sure. I'm not proud of? Um, as a person who works for a hospital, mm-hmm. I am I am present in many meetings where we talk about how difficult it is for people to get access to timely care. And that is a really serious problem, of course, and I'm not making a joke about it. And many is the time when I'm sitting in meetings and people are trying to figure out how to help patients be seen more quickly. And I am sitting there trying not to laugh because all I keep thinking is, well, maybe if they wore their Levi's 501s, you know, the real tight ones, <laughs> then, the, then the doctor would start the examination just a little bit early. Early! I am the only person in the room, 100% sure, that I'm the only person in the room having that horrible thought with my human brain. Thanks, Paul. Paul did have it. He did have his pulse on what would become modern medicine, where instead of actually seeing the doctor, you would see the nurse, right? So he, he, uh-huh. was, he was way ahead of it. Uh-huh. The nurse did the examination. Jesus. He, knew, he knew where to get the real care. <laughs> Speaking of things that don't age well. <laughs> I'm just saying that, that we t- you, you're right, Can We take it for granted. So if I, so I have... I think Nothing to Lose is essentially a very innocuous song that I understand Gene may or may not have retconned into being about anal sex. Um, Regardless of which hole it pertains to, I, I guess I had not really thought about it until... I was playing alive in the car, and one of the people I love most in the world said to me, um, oh, this is great. Is this a song about trying to persuade someone to have sex with you? And I, uh, I said, because <laughs> there's not actually, because the answer is yes. That is what the song is about. Right? Is. And I, it is, right? I think to me, uh, songs are what they mean to you. You know what I mean? Mm-hmm. Right. And I understand that it does. It doesn't have to mean that necessarily. Like I, I think of Paul 
on the ABC in concert, right? Saying, hey, mm-hmm. world, we're Kiss. We want everyone to come along. You've got nothing to lose. Like, I, it's a rallying cry for me that has to do with membership in the Kiss Army mm-hmm. more than anything else. I get that. But, but, but the most direct interpretation is the one that, that someone in the car had. And that was hard to explain. It is the reason why I did not put making love on uh, as a follow up, right? Like, I don't feel good just, you know, playing a song out loud that says red light, green light, don't say no. She says, stop, go, go, go. Right. That doesn't age so well. I dig it. Do you fellas have this problem too? Well, yeah, but there's something I do want to say about Christine 16. Mm hmm. And maybe this is my headcanon or my way to have it survive or whatever. But I look at pop music by its definition. There's a couple meanings to the word pop. There's popular, but it's also the effervescent, you know, it comes and it goes. It's gone. It's here today. It's gone later today. Almost every pop song was not intended to last 60, 70 years. Like in that terms of Elvis, Sinatra, the Beatles, whatever, and now Kiss, right? Mm-hmm. These songs were a manipulation to get money. That's really what it's all about, hence the business side of show business. So when you have cats like the Big Bopper singing Chantilly Lace or, in Chuck Berry's case, Sweet Little Sixteen or whatever, right? Mm-hmm. Who mm-hmm. was a guy who was like almost 40, and he's singing a song about being in a relationship with a 16 year old girl, but you have to understand the target audience. It was not other 40 year olds, right? Teenagers who bought the 45, who would listen to it for a week and then move on to the next song, right? Whether it's Fabian or Frankie Valley or whatever, whatever the next heartthrob to come along would be. It was never meant to be forever. Right. If you look at who was buying Christine 16 or the Love Gun album, it probably wasn't too many 40-year-olds in 1978. Let's be honest. Kiss was music that was meant for teenagers. Mm-hmm. So for to me, let me put this way. They were meant for teenagers in 1978. Because in 1988, those teenagers are now 10 years older, right? Right. So now we see rock and roll growing up and growing into something different. So what was once just aimed at teens is now aimed everywhere. Like, you know, Doc McGee said about Cracker Barrel, we've got people coming to the concerts of four generations. Right. When I was 16, it was 1992. And Gene Simmons, who was 43, Mm -hmm. was singing that it is a sticky situation if she's not old enough to vote. There you go. Right. And that, you know, that's true. It is a sticky situation because it's statutory rape. (laughs) Yeah, that's true. Rape is a sticky situation. It's a crime and a a monstrous thing to do. And uh, crimes are a sticky situation. It just I think it's just uh, I I appreciate the validation from the two of you and any listeners who aren't who are still listening um, that as we age and kisses music ages, uh, we we don't just interrogate the lyrics, but we interrogate our own proclivities. Well, I think that's it. You know, that's 
part of growing up, right? Yes, I think so. I hope so. And we're it not should reacting be. to these songs. You know, we reacted to them differently when I was 14, you know, than I do as an adult. And the song that I mentioned that makes me screamish is more about a context that it was put in rather than the song itself. Right. Which has made me squeamish about the song simply because I, I you know, at that age, you know, your parent age and you're like, uh, you know, so going back to Christine 16, uh, again, I think Ken nails it. Yes. Yeah. Well, because we were that age and it was for us. Now, if he was writing that now, well, yeah. I don't usually say things like this to girls your age. Why? Why not? Why don't you usually say things like that to girls that age? Because it's a sticky situation. and Because it's a crime. <laughs> yeah. <laughs> and she ain't old enough to vote. So I think that Gene has grown up. I, I know that people are laughing somewhere, somehow, but we have seen a bit of a maturity over the last few years, even. Yes. I think since... A, Gene got married, I think, since he had a daughter that became of legal age. I think he's looking at the world a little bit different. And, you know, I'm, I'm being curious. It seems like Gene's really happy during COVID. You know, as much as we're going to hear him complain about how the world shut down at some point, when everything's at back up and running, he's going to say, like, here we are, we're back. That's, this is what we've all wanted, right? Mm. You know, you see him going on hikes with Shannon. yeah. And playing with the dogs and just enjoying nature. And look, there's a tree and he's not like, I need to get to a city. He's actually enjoying the great outdoors. This is Gene Simmons. I love that. You know. Yeah. What happens if he life. enjoys it too much and says, nah, I'm done. I'm good. I'm going for a hike. Forget it. Well, they've done their bit. You know what I mean? Yeah. Well, it could happen to a lot of legacy acts. You know, they've lost two years, just like we all have. But in terms of being on the road it's tough to be on the road and to do that travel and you know to not be able to do a lot of the things because of safety going forward there may be some that just say put their cards down and fold say enough you've had it as a matter of fact i was sad to read it but i was happy for him mark Lindsay of paul revere and the raider has announced that for all intents and purposes he's done Uh, That doesn't mean we won't ever see him perform again, but he's probably not going to jump on the Flower Power Tour or the Oldies Reunion Tour or one of those boat cruise things where you have to do like 20 shows in a week. He's got to look out for him at this point, right? And and he loves spending time with the woman he loves, and he has his, his property that he likes to live on, and he likes to travel the country, and he wants to get like a, one of those Winnebago's and just drive around. You know, he's done his bit, right? So he'll peek out every once in a while and do things because I think fame is a drug that's, you know, it's very harsh. But on the other hand, it's hard to live without. But I was very proud to hear that. And the Monkees have just announced their farewell tour as mm. we, you know are recording this it's they've been on sale for like a week now and it's going to be sad just to see that end and uh what whoever and whatever it is like i'm surprised that a lot of bands just didn't roll over you know seriously when you what's the old line about a shark if it stops swimming it dies right i don't know about the validity of that but you know you, you take a band like cheap trick who is used to working like the majority of the year 
on tour, going around the world and the country and everything. Right. How they were able to, uh, you know, go on without it. And they did a lot of stuff as far as, uh, it was weird because Robin and his son were doing things. Robin Zander at Christmas time just did a thing where they rented a, like a, a truck and they, him, his son, his daughter and wife, went up and down the street and did Christmas songs and oh, oldies and stuff. That's awesome. And it was because he is just so used to doing stuff. And Rick Nielsen of Cheap Trick got his sons together and they did the Nielsen Trust. And they never stopped. If there was a show that needed something, uh, like, for example, they did a, a benefit uh, live on-air concert streamed kind of thing where they uh, were trying to help people who had worked in the music industry and people that worked at venues and stuff to raise money for them, the, the roadies and stuff like that. And it was so weird because they did, uh, I want you to want me in surrender over zoom. Wow. And you could tell like Robin's laughing at Rick cause Rick's still acting like he's at the Enormo dome, throwing a <laughs> bunch of picks and shouting at a crowd that isn't there. And you know, but it just shows how much they missed it all, you know. And you feel close to them in that moment because there is a we're all in this together kind of feeling. Yeah, absolutely. Pandemic. Yeah. I'm glad to see when we talk about like Gene enjoying this quiet time in his life. I I like when people we like take good care of themselves. It'll be sad if, if this if this lockdown results in people retiring prematurely or what have you. But ultimately, um even if I am questioning how well any of this music aged, I am so grateful to the people who made it. I love that mm -hmm. music. And it's nice to see people um, taking care of themselves. Nice. Yeah. Absolutely. Well, let's end it there. Guys, it's great to talk to you. I really enjoyed talking to you. I'm going to put this episode up without editing. So it's going to be kind of weird because I'm I'm a big control freak. I love to do the editing and make it sound good. Uh, but we're just going to let you in on the fun of the fun we had today. So we hope you enjoyed this. Uh, I saw where on Kiss FAQ somebody made a list of their favorite Kiss podcast, and uh, a couple people still mention Podkiss, even though yeah. we've been on a uh, a break, if you will. But it's it's kind of nice to know that people still care. So. No. That's nice. That is yeah, nice. Definitely. Thank you. And of course, Julian Gill, keeping it going over there at the Kiss FAQ podcast. It's one of my favorite Kiss podcasts at this point. Thanks. I, I like that list, you know, that people shout out and appreciate what any podcast does for them. So I appreciate what they say, too. Mm. How cool that there's a list, right? How cool, how, how, how cool to even be on the list, or in some cases, how cool to not be on the list. Exactly. Right. <laughs> As a matter of fact, listen to The Kiss Room, another fine show, which is if you're subscribed to the podcast, you know you're getting that once a month. But I was on Matt's show, The Kiss Room, just last Friday. So check it out. You'll get even more of me and my yapping mouth. So it'll be wonderful. And, of course, The Kiss House Room Band fantastic along with the ever effervescent matt porter himself check out my other shows cheap talk which is all about cheap trick and zilch which is all about the monkeys and pop will be coming back later this month check out stuck in stony brook if you uh want to hear a hilarious podcast about uh 
pop culture, specifically uh, middle school book series like the Babysitter's Club, my my beloved wife, the other good Dr. Schaller, and her two friends do a podcast about uh, those books. They have a lot of really good guests on it. Um, and yours truly did the music. So don't be wow. shy. Check out Stuck in Stony Brook. Did I help with some artwork for that? or you sh- Oh, and the good Ken Mills did some artwork for, for that as well. So No, I yes. seem to remember doing that. We did a single. I, uh, my band right. Love Box right. single for the for the podcast, and you did the artwork. Yeah, I I think there's a lot of people don't even realize because you and I we we don't ask people for money, we don't we don't really publicize a lot of stuff. But you've got a band called the Love Bots, so mm-hmm. thank you. So check out the Love Bots. And Julian's got books. Yes, Julian has lots of books. White people <laughs> making money. That would be a great uh, your your information page. Julian has books. Yeah. What do you? I know you're working on an Aerosmith book right now. Yeah, near the end of that one. It's uh, Aerosmith on tour, 1973 to 85, so cl- covering the uh, the wow. classic era and also the Joe Perry project and for St. Holmes. That's mm-hmm. a lot of material. Six hundred pages. Six hundred pages. Wow. I would love for you to come on the pop with Ken Mills podcast to talk about your book. That'd be really fun. All right. Sounds good. All right. Well, this is enough from us. We hope that you enjoyed something in all of this today. We enjoyed spending time with one another and we enjoyed spending time with you. We'll check you out on the next episode of your podcast. Say, see you guys. See ya. All right. There we go. Awesome. That was great. That was a lot of fun. Yeah. Nice and casual. Very good. I had one other topic we didn't get to, and I'm going to. We're going to do it at some point. What is it? Well, you know, Gary Hamilton is the biggest thing in music. I mean, if you think about things that have excited people, Hamilton is probably the biggest thing in music, right? Pretty big. Well, we know that Kiss has like done a bunch of stuff to like remain current. Like, you know, they've always found different things to try to do to be relevant, whether it was going disco or, you know, things like that, trying to be Bon Jovi-ish, stuff like that, right? So you you want them to do a rap musical. Uh, I was born in Haifa. I don't want a wife no. I wrote a song called <laughs> It's My life <laughs> That the Kiss, the Kiss rap musical? Well, I was thinking more of Kissified History. Mm-hmm. which would be the first in a series of things where you take a famous historical figure and kissify it, right? I'm listening. So if I gave you like five simple facts, mm-hmm. how could Kiss do a musical based on Washington, George Washington, mm-hmm. that is? Mm-hmm. What, which, what makeup would Pol Pot wear? <laughs> <laughs> I'm sorry. It's horrible. Well, I'm thinking more along the lines of, for example, I looked up some facts, right? Washington only had a grade school education. And wooden teeth. Well, we'll get to that. At age 22, Washington led a disastrous military skirmish that sparked a world war. Mm. Washington's first love was the wife of one of his best friends. Mm. About those teeth, no, they were not wooden. No. What were they? I don't know. Washington was not always a great general, 
but he was an excellent spy master. Mm. And the cherry tree myth is just that. It's a myth. So those are six, five, however you slice it, any way you slice it. <laughs> those are kind of like some bullet points. If I were to say, okay, kiss Gene and Paul, write the song. Okay. Okay. I didn't chop down the cherry tree. Whoa, yeah. Because you got to have. <laughs> whoa, yeah. That's good. A, a number of whoa, yes. But I'm thinking, um, you know, Washington only had a grade school education. So who would write this song? Is this a And yet song? he was able to lead the nation. The nation. There you go. See? Whoa, whoa yeah. <laughs> That's great. What a great topic. I love that. Washington had a disastrous military skirmish that sparked a world war. At the age of 22, I almost sparked a world war. But I know what this musket's for. Well, that would, you, that's good. But we could take at age of 22, I almost sparked a world war. You better watch out. I'm a world war machine. <laughs> <laughs> that's good. But Washington's first love was the wife of one of his best friends right so if he says at the age of 22 I almost started a world war and now we need to do something about his first love was the wife of one of his best friends that's what friends are for see the rhyme is there it's there it's right there yeah it's that's it's just good. gotta you know you know my teeth no they weren't wooden but my schmeckles are good and mm -hmm. i'm just i'm just spitballing here that's good. You know. That's good. It writes itself, doesn't it? Uh, I may not have always been a great general, but I was an excellent spy master. I have a reputation of being a bit of a thigh master. I don't uh, know. I'm uh, just uh, chopping down your cherry tree. Whoa, oh, yeah. yeah. So I could put my log. You, when you I go through rest. her, it's like an axe through a cherry tree. <laughs> Whoa, yeah. yeah. <laughs> oh, wow. I wonder how many whoa, yeahs there are in Kiss songs. There's a lot of yeahs in Kiss songs. Yeah. I wonder how many, like, has there ever been a Kiss fan that count how many times the word yeah? Oh, God, I'm going to do go, a super <laughs> I'm going to, I'll put it together. I'll put a compilation. All right. Okay, so anyway, I, I thought we'd do that, but I since love we've it. done it, I'm just going to add it. So that was Kissified History with, uh, we've just given Kiss an idea and some song potential song lyrics. Hey, hey Gina Paul, you're welcome. <laughs> so, I'm George Washington, I only had a grade school education. At the age of 22, I almost started a world war. My first love was a wife of a friend, and that's what friends are for. Mm -hmm. About those teeth, no, they weren't wooden, but my schmeckle, it's a good one. <laughs> <laughs> I wasn't always a great general. Or would it be, in general, I wasn't always a great general, but yeah. I'm an excellent spy master. If you leave your girl with me, you'll, she'll find out I'm an excellent thigh master. So that's, that's great. Chopping so down good. your cherry tree. Whoa, oh, yeah. yeah. <laughs> it is at least as good as uh, Love's a Deadly Weapon. There you go. There you go. And that's really all we can expect at this right. point. So kissified history with kiss. So who knows? Maybe we'll do this again someday. But. I thought that was pretty good. I like it. 
No, I think it's a I I think it's a good recurring segment on the show. Uh and and really it does write itself. Well, there is bonus content right there. So there you go. We can put that on our patron, which is something we don't do. So there you go. That's good. It's <laughs> good. Was it good, Julian? I don't know. Smell this ether. <laughs> <laughs> of all the things I've heard, that was one of them. <laughs> Of all the things I've heard, that was one of them. Right. Love it. I heard it. <laughs> God. All right. Well, we will see you all. Be good. Be safe. <laughs> all right, Love guys. You, all see right. you. Bye. Bye. Oh, yeah. And that is our show. Thanks again for listening. Be sure to check us out on the web at www.podcast.com. You can also find us on Facebook and on iTunes. If you'd like to contact the podcast, please drop us a line at podcast at gmail.com. Big thanks to Julian and everyone at kissfaq.com. They've got great information there and a terrific message board, too. Thanks also to Keith LaRue and everyone else at Kiss Online for their great work representing the hottest band in the land. And as always, a big thanks to Paul Stanley, Gene Simmons, Ace Fraley, Peter Chris, Vinnie Vincent, Bruce Kulick, Eric Singer, Tommy Thayer, and the memory of the late, great Eric Carr, and the late, great Mark St. John. You are KISS, and we are your army. Podcast is created by the KISS Army for the KISS Army, and it is available for free as an internet download. If you like what you hear on our show, go buy it and support the people who made it. Podcast is not affiliated with KISS or any of its members past or present. On behalf of myself, Ken, and the whole rest of the Podcast crew, Thank you for listening to Podcast, the KISS fanzine for your ears. There you go. It's a great event. That's how they like to give back here. So some pretty cool uh, things happening here at Rock and Brews. And I should stop talking because my mouth is full. So I'm going to send it back to you guys in the studio. But don't forget, Rock and Brews opens today at 11 a.m. at the Chesterfield Common Shopping Center. Get the good stuff while you can. We want to rock and roll and party every day. (laughs) All right. Thank you.